Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, May 6th, and I am your host, Max Rothman. And another jam-packed weekend of events, NBA playoffs, NCAA tournaments going on. I mean, of course, Game of Thrones last night was a mix of emotions, and Kayla and I were, were actually too frazzled by all the deaths and, and just weirdness of last night to, to have even recorded. So we are doing another early morning podcast. It is 6.36 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for both of us. And, uh, you know, as I said, I got to introduce my co-host for today, and that is Mr. Kale Hammond and my new rave buddy. What's going on, man? <laughs> You're ridiculous. I'm not doing too hot, man. I slept. I slept pretty weird last night, and I just woke up with the biggest crick in my neck you know one of those things you just wake up and you're just like oh good lord here we go so you know that happens that's not you know it's not in your control you know what you do in your sleep you know you really don't have that much control so like you said you don't you got to control the things you can control i can't control that that i'm going to be in pain for the next two days because i slept on you know weird on my pillow but it's all right i'm feeling i'm feeling okay well look as a wise man once said there there are certain people that wake up ready to suffer and if, if, <laughs> if you're willing to do that, let me tell you, you'll, you'll be successful in life. So uh, take, take it like Aria does and, and just just get ready to grind, man. Get ready to suffer through today, and, and who knows? It, it can all go uphill from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to suffer through this podcast right now, so let's, let's get it going. <laughs> let's keep this one at 30 minutes, shall we? <laughs> yes, yes, we shall. All right, so let's get into the tennis. Let's start. Uh, we, we've got a couple ATP 250 tournaments to talk about. That is Estoril and Munich. Uh, you know, two two tournaments that have had some interesting results. Um, let's start with the, I guess I would say less interesting result, and that is the CT Pass, you know, win over in Estoril. He has a, a pretty uh, good run to the final. He takes out Andrazi in straights, Dominguez in straights, has a tough match with Gofen in the semis, and then takes out Cuevas in straights. So you know, a, a pretty you know, easy run to the final for Stefanos. You know, also for him, his second title of 2019 and his third title overall. And, you know, just kind of weird to think about that. I think it's it's interesting him being ranked whatever it is, 8-9 in the world right now. People, I think, feel like he's been there longer than he has. Dude's won three titles. That's it. I, I mean, he's a beast, but that, that's all he's got right now. And so... Uh, yeah, he's won three titles, but he's got some finals too. You know, he lost to Fed, I think, in the Dubai final, um, which was a good run for him too. So, you know, what is he? What is he? Is he still nineteen? He's he's, um, he's now twenty years old. But okay, so he turned twenty. Look, I mean, the guy, the guy is fantastic. You just can tell with him, like he knows exactly what he's doing on the tennis court. You know, his mental game is fantastic, and he covers so much ground. Like his movement, it really separates him. You know, like it does all the top players. His movement is just extraordinary, extraordinarily good. It, it really is. And I guess, so what my, my question for you there, what do you expect from Tsitsipas the rest of this season? You know, considering he's already, you know, have he has more titles than he did last year. Um, and, and what do you expect from him kind of moving forward? Is, is this going to be the kind of thing where we're going to see consistency from Tsitsipas in the top 10 or... Uh, is this maybe a, a just a bit of a, a nice stretch for him? I, mean, I don't think he's leaving the top ten anytime soon. 
Um, some people are just gamers. Some people just, you know, some champions. What does Boletari say about champions? He says champions are born and, and they're not, you know, they're not made. And he's one of those guys that's just born born a champion. You know, his mental toughness, his desire to win everything, his competitive spirit, and, you know, his confidence, too. The guy's got a lot of swagger, he which does. is, you know, not not important. You know, having that swag is pretty pretty important. Um, what, what else was I going to say about – oh, he, he – he, so he's got a title on indoor hardcore, and he's got a title on outdoor clay this year. He's the first guy to win a title on indoor hard and outdoor clay. And it just speaks to his game. You know, he's got an all-court game. He's got an all-surface game. He can play on anything. He made round of 16 at Wimbledon um, last year. The guy can play on anything. The guy can play – the guy could probably play with a spoon, and he'd be <laughs> fine. <laughs> I've actually seen some like crazy YouTube videos of like young kids practicing with wooden spoons. I, I... Luca Corintelli one time at College Park got a two by four, and that motherfucker's so strong, <laughs> he was able to swing this two by four, and he was making clean contact, hitting the ball like three quarter court, deep and hard with the with literally with a two by four when he was like thirteen, fourteen years old. Looked like mini Paul Bunyan swinging a <laughs> axe. Guy was just humongous. <laughs> That's so good. Well, that that's a, a good place real quick to plug the most recent Great Shot podcast. Uh, Luca joined uh, Alex Gruskin to, to discuss. You don't think little... I know what I'm doing here, Max? <laughs> Come on. Of course, man. <laughs> Give we're... me more credit than that. <laughs> no, no. I, we're, we're getting too good at this, man. We we don't even need to, to, to discuss it beforehand. It's great. Uh, but, yeah, Lu- Luca joined Gruskin uh, to discuss some of the, the NCAA tennis. So make sure to check out the, the Great Shot podcast if you haven't already. Uh, but real quick, two other, I think, notable items from Estoril before we, we move on. Uh, Alejandro Davidovic Fokina, you know, a, a name that you probably haven't heard much of. He was a qualifier in this tournament, and he uh, was the 2017 Junior Wimbledon champion. He won that title without dropping a set. Uh, so, you know, a, a young guy, he's 19 years old, who I think we're going to you know get to see a lot more of moving forward. You know, he's now ranked at a career high of 167, which, which is going to put him into a lot more tournaments. Um, yeah, I, I know you got to, to watch him play a bunch. What do you think of his game? The biggest thing that I think of his game was the level of intensity that he was able to bring to the court every single time. Um, you know, this was definitely like a, a, a magical run for him, um, beat, taking out Malfi in that epic match. Um, I don't think, you know, he won't, might not repeat this result for a long, long time, but if he can bring the same intensity to the court that he brought, um, in Estoril, look, he's going to be, he's going to be just fine. He played really, really hard and really, really intense, never took a point off, never sold himself short on any shot. The guy let it rip and you love to see that too. I mean, when you're at that level, you have to let it rip. You can't guide the ball. You can't hope your opponent's going to miss. You got to go out there and take it. And that's what he did. And, and that, that works. So if he can bring that level of intensity, you know, that he brought this week, every time he's going to be in good shape, regardless of his game. I, I couldn't agree more. And he's, like I said, a guy that we're we're definitely going to see a lot more of. So keep an eye out for for that name. Uh, what one other just kind of fun thing that I thought that I saw from this tournament, uh, Pablo Cuevas, who ended up losing to Pass in the finals of this tournament, six three seven six, is the first lucky loser to reach a final uh, in 2019. And uh, so last year, you know, Rublev and Leonardo Mayer both 
were lucky losers to make finals. And it, but before that, it happened, or excuse me, and in 2018, Chechenato um, had that happen. So besides those two years, it hadn't happened since 2010. Uh, so a little stretch of lucky losers making finals, which is just a, a little interesting tidbit. Yeah, on a clay court, you certainly don't want Pablo Cuevas as the lucky loser <laughs> to draw. No. Let's just leave it there. But I will say, um, I watched that final. He, he, he definitely looked pretty happy to be there. Um, you know, he, he, first of all, he did a big no-no, um, that we learned. So the trophy was there walking on the court. He comes out of the court with the ball kid. He sort of fondles the trophy, you know, like grazes the trophy, like touches it. Bro, don't touch the f***ing trophy. The trophy's there for you to win it, dude. You can't touch it. You didn't win the, you can't touch the trophy before the match. He did that and the commentator was like, oh no, what is he doing? Why is he touching the trophy? That can't be good luck. And it it wasn't wasn't good luck. And he, and he sort of... He, he, you know, he, he did his best and he, he sort of made it close at the end, but it, there was a feeling that I got that he was pretty happy to be there, um, in his fight in the final, maybe he didn't play that well, maybe it wasn't his day and Tsitsipas is, you know, smothering opponent, the guy that moves so well, hits such a big ball and his serve is so clutch too. So, you know, maybe, maybe, um, he played hard as hard as he could and it just didn't work out, but I didn't get the feeling that Cuevas... Um, really, really wanted that, especially with the, what we saw with that tweener. Like, yeah. you don't do that in a match if you really, really want to win. No. You know, call me crazy, and it's just one shot, and I'm pulling it out of context. But you don't do that if, you know, you're, like, super hyper-focused, on, and you really want this title. He was he was having some fun, which is great, but at the same time, you know, you don't hit that crazy tweener shot if you're, if you're super, super um, hyper-focused on the winning that title. No, I mean that that shouldn't even be a thought. That that should never have crossed his mind to to try that. And, and yes, he he won the point, but but that's besides the fact. And you know, look, he, he's had a pretty good year so far. He he makes a semifinal in Cordoba earlier this year. He makes a semifinal in Rio. And uh, yeah, they're all on clay. The dude's unreal on it, clay. I mean, it's crazy. If you, if you look at his schedule, it's like almost all clay. I mean, As it should be. Why wouldn't it be? It's free points, free money. Free. <laughs> Why would he go play indoors on a hard court? Yeah. No way. No, no. So, you know, good good turning for him. Uh, good win for Tsitsipas. We, we don't need to go into that match. It, it, it was a fun one to watch, and there's some good highlights uh, to watch there if you'd like to. But let's move on to Munich. And, and Munich, you know, of course, is, is going to be our, our more interesting tournament here. Um Garen, Christian Garen, man, another title. And this is just, I mean, and, and to do it in the fashion that he did, it, listen, just some of the results. He goes to Yannick Madden, 4-2, takes out Schwartzman, 1-5. 1-5 against Diego Schwartzman. That's amazing. Goes against Verev, 6-4, and And this is a match that he had match points in the second set, goes down a break in the third set, and then, you know, just comes back and plays a just a diehard third set to, to take it. And, you know, just, just amazing tennis from him from him there. Goes on to take down Chechenato 2-4. And, and then, you know, a, a thriller final against Berrettini 6-1-3-6-7-6. I mean, what do you have to say about Christian Guerin, Kale? Christian Guerin is the real deal. And he is rock-fucking-solid. The guy is a tank. Physically and mentally, the guy is a complete and total tank. 
and he's going to be around for a long, long time to come. Um, I was trying to think before this podcast, like, who do you who do you think his player comp would be? If you had to describe Christian Guerin to someone who's never seen him play, which at this point still might be a lot of people, who would you compare him to? Because, you know, like, there's so many tennis players, and there's only so many game styles. You know, everyone's sort of got a comparison. What do you think, what would you, what would you come up with for Christian? That's tough. I mean, his backhand, I'm trying to think, because, like, his backhand is is so strong and, and kind of reminds me I don't want to say of Murray's backhand but it, uh, his forehand like doesn't remind me of anyone like it's this weird kind of like it's not it's not even weird it's, it's a little bit short uh, short backswing which is nice his his Good. serve is not no no downside <laughs> yeah no downside to a short backswing I don't want to say he plays like Ferrer, but he kind of does. Hey, you're so money, dude. That's exactly who I was going to say it was. It's exactly who I was going to say he plays like. And he doesn't play like him, you know, stroke production-wise, but just in terms of the intensity he brings every single point and how hard he hits the ball. He might hit people, harder than Ferrer. People die. Hold your horses. People, <laughs> people. Now he does, yeah, but, like, <laughs> come on. People, um... Don't give Ferrer credit. I did a podcast with Dennis Kudla a while ago, and he was talking about Ferrer and, and how hard he hits the ball every time. People don't realize that. They think he's a grinder. He's a grinder that absolutely cranks the ball every time. And so Christian Guerin reminds me a lot of that. He, 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 what he does so well is he takes away time on his backhand side and just hits a bullet, dude. Hits a bullet deep, takes time away. He's so smart playing with the angles. He's never going to give his opponent, you know, a full wide open court to rip to and get him on the run. He plays through the middle of the court so well, which is something Ferrer does exceptionally well, too. You know, he'll hit these cross-court shots, but they're not really that cross-court. They're sort of just, you know, down the middle cross-court so the opponent has no angles. And then when he gets his chance, he cracks it. And another thing that Christian Guerin probably does better than Ferrer is move forward, from yes. what I've seen. His forward movement is exceptional. And look, the guy is awesome. I'm a huge fan. I've been tweeting it all week. Um, you know, like, this guy is so good, he's so good, he's so rock solid, he's so mentally tough, and he's playing with so much confidence right now, which is the most important thing in tennis every time you step on the court, the confidence level. doesn't matter what your strokes are, doesn't matter anything like that. Confidence is the most important. But also in the final, um, I'm going on a little long right now, but no, I'm just so pumped, pumped up about the guy. Um, he played Berrettini, who had to play Roberto Batista Agut that same morning due to a rain delay. Um, so, I mean... He got his second title, but, like, how lucky are you that you don't have to wake up and play f***ing Roberto Batista Agut and then play another match against Christian Guerin? I was running social media that morning, and I tweeted, if you if you beat Batista Agut and Christian Guerin the same day, you should get two trophies. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. That's re I mean, it sucks that, that, like, brings me back to the junior days where you know, you're playing two matches in a day, and yeah, you, you could just get absolutely screwed by playing a beast, and you could play, you know, the match of your life, and then you're like, oh, shit, I gotta go out and play another match, you know, in an hour, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's... But he, he got it to six and a third, you know, so, yeah. like, unbelievable, he got, honestly, if he doesn't play Batista Agut that morning, he probably wins, you know, um... If you get six and a third after beating one of the most one of the biggest grinders we've ever seen in our sport, yeah, no, it, it's you know 
tr- truly impressive to have done that. And, you know, Christian Guerin, man, now at a, a career high of 33, I mean, the guy is going to be in every single tournament now for the rest of the year. Um, the, you know, it's going to be interesting to see his game transfer to, you know, the grass and then to the hard court. Uh, grass, that, grass will be interesting. Grass will be interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think with his backhand, it, it, it is pretty flat. Um, and the more, the more I just, I pulled up a quick video just to, uh, see him and I watched a quick video of Ferrer. Their backhands are really similar. Um, but it's, it's a little bit flatter and, and I think that could help on the grass. Uh, but then going back to the hardcore, we'll, we'll see if he can have, uh, some success, but look, the, the guys had, you know, two, two titles and three tournaments. Uh, you know, obviously he, he took the ATP 250 in Houston and, and had some good wins there. I mean, he, he beat Cuevas and Chardy and Query uh, at that tournament. So he, he's just on a roll. And uh, He's beating everyone who steps in front of him on the court. Yeah. He has 18 and four on clay this year. And some of his, one of his losses was to Felix. It's just ridiculous. He's good. And then also before we move on, shout out to um, Maria Sakari winning her first title of this year. Um, I'm good friends with Tom Hill, her coach. He's the nicest guy ever. And I was with them in Charleston, and I got to interview her. And she's the sweetest, sweetest girl you'll ever meet. She's just all smiles, so polite, so kind, such good perspective. Um, and, yeah, wish her the best. And congrats to Tom and Maria on getting that title in Rabat. It's huge. Well, that, that's huge. Because he, he's really put in the work. He used to coach Daniel Collins, and that didn't end quite that well. Um, but he got lucky to get Sakari and – He's like, you know, it's it's fortunate because now I have the nicest player on tour, and it's <laughs> I'm really lucky. And he really works his ass off for her, so shout out to them. And and you know, kind of a cool uh, little stat there as well, uh, with Sakari winning that tournament in Rabat and Tsitsipas winning in Estoril. Uh, there, it's the first time in pro tennis history that two Greeks win in the same week. Uh, so you know, shout out to to the Greek players there. That's that's got to be a fun little uh, celebration for you guys. Yeah, tennis is certainly on the up and up uh, in in Greece. It has to be. How can it not be? Yeah. They should be building some tennis courts right about now. <laughs> I'm they sure can they afford are. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are. Well, let's let's move on to the big tournament going on now, and that is the ATP 1000 in Madrid. And, you know, we've had a few matches happen so far, uh, but I think, you know, more importantly, and we'll talk about one of them, uh, but more importantly, just kind of looking through this draw, some really interesting first-round matches that are going on. You know, Opelka just took his first match against Cranio Boost to 6-4, and four, so he will play team next round. Um, you know, we had Struff take down Kyrgios, and I don't even know if we want to get into that. It... <sighs> No, we can get into that later in the later segment. But, I mean, for Riley, that is a humongous win over Crano Busa yeah. on the clay. Beating for an American kid to beat, a, like, a Spaniard on clay, it's huge. Especially a Spaniard who's been top ten in the world on clay. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy is rock solid. Look, I think Crano Busta is better on, like, a slow hard court. I don't think clay is necessarily his best surface. Um, he doesn't necessarily, like, need all the time in the world he can play some quick points too. You know, he's quick and he hits it. He hits a big ball off both sides. But for for Riley to beat someone that solid off both sides is huge. 
It's unbelievable. I mean, I did not expect that result. So no. Riley I, keeps keeps surprising. If I'm a betting man, I'm not betting on that match. That's that's for sure. Um, so uh, obviously, like you said, a great win there. Before we get in to the match that I, I want to talk about briefly, because we we both got to watch this one, which is the FAA Chapo match. I, I want to quickly talk about Roger Federer because. It is his first time back on the clay in quite some time. And, uh, you know, he's got a, a fairly interesting draw ahead of him. He he plays the winner of Richard Gasquet and Fokina, who we just talked about in the second round. And then has a most likely third round matchup with Monfils before, you know, unfortunately having to play team uh, in that quarterfinal. So a tough, tough draw for him. Um, you know, he... And a little interesting tidbit on Federer when this tournament was on the blue clay, which it is not anymore. He has a hundred percent win record, uh, and and he's <laughs> the only player to have a hundred percent winning record on any surface. So uh, you know, unfortunately for him, not on the blue clay this year. Uh, but what what do you think for for Federer going into this tournament? I'm just pumped to watch him. I was watching TC Live last night, um, or yesterday morning, and Paul Anacone was saying that he talked to um, Federer, and he talked to Federer's coach, Severin Luthi, about about it, and Federer just said he misses it, and he really wants to play on the clay. You know, he feels left out. All these players are playing <laughs> he on the clay. Feels left don't forget, out. don't forget that Fed, Federer is nasty on clay. Yeah. You know, for 10 years, he's the second best clay court player in the world. Um, and without Nadal, he probably wins three or four French Opens. And Federer is amazing on clay. He grew up playing on it. And so he just wants to get back out and play on clay. And look, he skipped half the season. He's here in Madrid and he's ready to go. I don't really have any thoughts. I'm just, I just can't wait to watch that guy move on the clay again. I can't wait to watch him play. You know, it's I, just amazing. I'm so pumped. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's going to be fun to watch him out there. And, you know, like you said, one of the best clay court players of all time. He has the fifth most wins um, on the clay behind, you know, some you know, all Spaniards. Uh, so, you know, the guy, as you said, is obviously a beast on the clay. Uh, but let's let's talk really quick about that match that I brought up. The Chapo FAA, and this is a match that FAA wins 6-2-7-6. You know, watching Chapo come out of the gates, the guy looks like he was coming out against like seriously, like a Federer or a Nadal. It was like, you know, we've got this beast in front of me and I need to push him off the court. And, I, and if I don't hit a big enough ball, he's going to hurt me. Uh, and, and it just looked like he was actually scared of FAA. And I, and I know we talked about this, you know, briefly when we were playing some paddle tennis, but I, I don't know. I, I think it was, I know Chapo is known to kind of spray some balls and go for big shots, but just it, it almost, I felt like I could see it in his eyes, man. He's like, F.A. is on one, and if I don't do something right now, he's going to kick my ass. Yeah. Yeah, we had similar thoughts about this match. I mean, but the thing is, he does this a lot. It's I, it's not just against F.A.A. Chapeau comes out, and, and it's like if he doesn't win the point by hitting a spectacular shot, like, then he doesn't. It's almost like he doesn't. It, he'd, like, rather win by hitting amazing sports center highlight reel shots than he would just, you know, grinding it out. You're going to have to grind it out against Felix. He's too fast for you to hit those shots. He covers the court so well. He's going to put extra pressure on you. I mean, 
playing playing with good margins against Felix is important because he's not a Federer or Nadal yet. He, he you know he's amazing, but for Shapovalov to play that overly aggressive, you know, it was, it was a mistake and he got crushed. Yeah, it, it it's unfortunate because I think this was a match that I was hoping I was going to see, you know, a, a three set thriller. Uh, but you know, no. Did you see my tweets before? I tweeted before the match. I said uh, FAA over Shapo today. Obviously, that was a good bet. It was a pretty even line. But FAA was like minus one forty, minus one fifty. So you know, a ten dollar bet gets you like eight and a half bucks back. Um, and it was just a no. That was a no brainer on clay, especially because Felix is oh, Felix yeah. is really good on clay. And that ball, the weight of shot he gets on his forehand every single time, and it's so repeatable. Shapovalov is, is his shots same weight same pace. Shapo actually hits it harder than anyone I've ever seen in terms of just pure pace oh, that he can generate gross. on every ground stroke. He he might hit the ball harder than anyone ever. Um, you know how loose <laughs> he is and how ridiculous he swings at the ball, the jumping backhand, all that stuff. But you're playing a guy like FA. FA was totally content to just make heavy forehands, move the ball around the court, and play within himself. And on a tennis court, the player who plays within himself is, is usually more likely to come out on top. And and, and he did, as you said. Uh, but look, yeah, it, you know, there, there's a bunch of other really good matches in this in this draw. I mean, I can't even go through all of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick my two favorite matches to look forward to for today and tomorrow. And Kayla, I want to know yours also. One of them for me is Taylor Fritz, Grigor Dimitrov. That that is a first round match. Fritz actually had to qualify uh, for the tournament this year. The winner of them gets to play Djokovic, so that that's a really fun area of the draw. And I think I've got to go with you know my my next favorite match. Oh, it's tough. There's there's a lot of good ones, but I I think I want to say Kyle Edmund, Fabio Fonini. That that's a really tough first round match for Fonini and Edmund who's been up and down this year I'm not so confident in his game but I think it could be you know a really interesting one to watch and I'm actually I'm gonna cheat I'm gonna do one more uh we've got Stan Vavrinka you can take mine (laughs) versus Pierre Hughes Herbert uh another first round match to watch you know Herbert who's now fully transitioned to singles uh you know is is playing some some good singles as as he is and uh, I think you know that that'll be a, a fun one to watch, uh, and then of course we just talked about FAA and Chapo. Uh, and, you know, they the winner of that match got to play Nadal, and so we get to see FAA and Nadal next round. Which, sorry, Nadal, that's that's a that's a tough first round match for you, buddy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so, it's not so, it's not an ideal first round, but Nadal doesn't care. He's no. pumped to play him. Oh yeah, uh, so some some great first round matches. Any any other match that that you're particularly looking out at? I mean, I hope you're wrong about the the Fognini Edmund match because I literally texted everyone in my phone book um, that cares that 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 the bet tomorrow is Fognini over Edmund. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's that's right. Fognini is so, taking Edmund. Well, yeah. I mean, I think so too. And it's, he's got really good odds. But I was talking to my buddy Austin Smith, Bethany Maddox, Sands doubles coach. Um, he's a homie. He played at Georgia, and he had a good point. He's like, you know. If and first he said, first off, any Fognini lock is is guaranteed to lose. He's right. <laughs> Anytime you say Fognini's gonna win for sure, he's gonna lose. Yeah. So there's that. Um, also, he's like he's gonna he's tired. He could still be tired from his Monte Carlo. I didn't really buy that, but he said he could be saving up his juice for Rome. You know, because that's a big tournament for him. 
But look, Fognini is just fantastic on clay. Eight of his nine titles are on clay. He's unbelievable on clay. Moves so well, and he's. I think. I think that's a, a huge. Like I didn't understand why Edmund was. Um, you know the odds were like they were because Edmund lost to Kudla last week on red clay, and that's you know for Edmund that's a bad loss. Um, yeah, you know Kudla's, Edmund minus Edmund one fifteen right now. That's Kudla's least favorite surface. The guy hits the ball very flat. Um, amazing backhand, but like. You know, if if he's losing to Kudla on clay, how's he going to beat Fognini? That's my thought process. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. And then uh, TFO beat just beat Nicolos Bachelasvili like five minutes ago, and that was awesome there too because go. because um, I was telling my friends too that the the over it was over twenty two games it was a good bet because um, my theory was, my hypothesis was sort of confirmed. I think TFO loves pace. And Basilash really yeah. rips the ball off both sides extremely hard. And I think that because when I was growing up playing against Francis at College Park, I was bigger, stronger. Um, well, I may have never actually been stronger than him. He's an ox. But I was 18. He was freaking 13. And I was ripping these backhand down the lines. And he was able to he'd get there so quickly and just use his little whip motion on the forehand to yep. just rip it short cross court. And I'm just like, oh my god, my best shot is a bad play against this 12-year-old. What am I going to do? I should just quit. And, then, and so, yeah, I mean, TF, TFO loves pace. Um, he definitely does. So that was confirmed. So going forward, if someone hits the ball really hard, like Bacillus, really, it's a good matchup for TFO. You know, the pace doesn't bother him. Yeah. I, and I then mean, as far as any other matches, I'm looking forward on the women's side. Ash Barty, Daniel Collins. Um, that'll be interesting. Definitely. That'll be interesting. Barty Barty's playing amazing right now, but Collins is good on clay. She loves playing on clay. She would probably say it might be her best surface. Um, um, you know, she grew up playing on the green clay. Now she's on the red clay. Barty's not. Australia is usually not the best clay court country. So there's some, you know, there's room on there. But Barty's one of the best players in the world right now. So it'll be interesting to see how Danielle does against you know one of the hottest players in the world. <laughs> Definitely. And before we move on to our winners and losers. I just pulled up some of the Bovada lines, and so, uh, Kale, we're, we're gonna do a quick betting segment, you know, real quick. Uh, just, just give me your your yays and nays on on these bets. Yep. Uh, Taylor Fritz plus one seventy against Dimitrov. That that's absolutely interesting. Any anyone versus Dimitrov right now has a chance. And Fritz been playing some some good clay court tennis, so yeah, uh, I, I think hundred percent. That's a potential bet. What do you or think the of, over the over game total could be good on that. Twenty two um, and a half. Yeah, if you don't think if you don't think Fritz is going to be able to outright beat Dimitrov on the clay, the over is a good is a good bet because if they go three, you, you guaranteed to win it. And I think this has three set potential for sure. Definitely. Um, next match. What do you think? And it's always tough to bet on FAA versus Nadal. FAA is plus six hundred, and I'm not saying you take FAA outright. But they have the over under at nineteen and a half games. You're telling me you don't think FA is gonna be able to go four and four? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting too. Um, it's the first time though. It's the first time. You never know how they're gonna react to the first time they're playing a doll on clay. But also, you know, like yeah, I mean that's the over is definitely a good bet. Um, I, I, for me, a match like this, I would be content. You know, just sort of watching it. 
and as opposed to having to put anything on it just yep. because you never know the first time you don't know how he's going to react the first time yeah. you know the guy had such a good shot at indian wells to um, make the quarters in the semis and he lo- ended up losing that match to nishioka which he right. should have won so if, if he's still got that in the system um you know maybe just stay away Yep, I hear that. Hear you that. Two more quick ones: Ferrer versus Batista. Goot. Ferrer is plus one twenty. Bro, I have no idea what to do here. What's gonna happen? Is Ferrer gonna come out and play the match of his life because this is his last tournament? Is he gonna play? I think he's, and he's gonna be to. overwhelmed by the emotion and not play that well. No, he's gonna. Um, is he's Batista a good savage and he's gonna beat him? Um, is Batista Agu going to play well? Is Batista Agu going to play less hard because, you know, it's a legend's last performance? The answer is no. They're both going to play hard. This is These guys, all they know how to do is step out on the court and rip the ball and play hard. Um, but, look, I have no idea on this one. I've, I was looking at that. I have absolutely no clue. What do you think? I, I think Ferrer is going to go out there and ball his ass off. And uh, I, I'm, if I'm betting, I'm, I'm betting on Ferrer there personally. Uh, one other match before we move on just to our winners and losers. Dimonauer versus Hercotch. Dimonauer is plus 215. And I know he's been playing some bad tennis, but I, yeah, maybe that's a bad bet. <laughs> yeah, I hear, I hear you, but how did, the clay doesn't help him at all. I mean, it doesn't yeah, help no. him at all. When the ball moves through the court, he's amazing. But when it sits up on the court, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. He, he, he clearly does not look very comfortable on the clay, and I don't blame him. He's got a bad game for it. But... He's amazing. He'll 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 you know he'll he'll win some clay court tournaments in his career probably. Yeah, yeah. No, ugh. he needs to just kind of get back on the horse. He's been struggling a little bit. But real quick, let's move in to our winners and losers as we are running a little bit longer than we said we would. I've got you know pretty much just two winners for. This uh, this week, uh, Christian Guerin, the dude's a beast, and I'm sure he was one of your winners too. Uh, you know, he he just deserves a, a W in my book. And then Madrid uh, having Delpo and Federer back is awesome. Uh, it's that's that's rare that you get you know those guys you know who have been injured and, and you know Federer doesn't play clay in the same tournament. So uh, just uh, you know you're getting pretty much every single top player in Madrid this weekend, so you just just get ready for some high level of tennis. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Madrid is completely stacked. It might be pound for pound, you know, the most stacked tournament of the year, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the names I, I'd agree. are just out of control. You know, you got players fifty in the world playing qualifying, like fifty, sixty in the world playing qualifying. It's it's out of control because the draw is so so much smaller. Um, but yeah. Um, I agree with you there. Christian Guerin is a huge winner. Um, the guy is 18-4 on clay. He's unbelievable. Um, heading into the French Open with just a mountain of confidence. Um, so, And he's dangerous, too. I mean, the guy is so physically fit. He's so fast, too. Like, he's just... Like, I said this last pod. I'll say it again. Um, I'm a little cross-sport comparison. Like, I always judge, like, running backs, how good I think running backs are in football. <laughs> By how much they it would suck to tackle them, Adrian Peterson, you know Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, like these guys, just run up into you and just make it just like a nightmare to tackle you. Like you just rather not. Marshawn Lynch, guys like that, and so, sort of the same thing goes on clay since it's so much more physical than any surface. Like to beat Christian Guerin on clay right now, you have to play out of your mind. 
you have to rip winners because he's not missing and he's getting to every single ball. The guy just doesn't get tired. He's just a total physical beast. And yeah, and that's that's it. I've gone enough rants about him. He's fantastic. I'm, <laughs> I'm, he's awesome. So, you, so he's my winner too. Awesome. You have any other winners, or should we move on to the losers? No, let's go. All right, my two losers of the week: uh, Karen Kachanov, just been struggling. Um, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say about. He just him. lost the second set to Munar. Yep. There you go. He's, so he, they're going three right now. And and if I'm betting i'm betting on munar right now i i, I was gonna bet on munar anyways going into this i mean Kachanov hasn't won a match in in you know the last few tournaments he, he's been really off um so Kachanov is, is a loser um i think this is a mutual loser for both of both of us uh and that is curious you know he he looks like he's been having some fun in his mini off season before this tournament and he even posted on his instagram like who wants to take my spots in the next three tournaments? And it was like Madrid and, and some, I forget what else. Madrid, he, Rome, exactly. Rome and yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Um, it's like, dude, like we know you don't care, but like, come on, man, show a little bit more than that. That's just, that's just fucking lame. Um, yeah. No, he's my loser too, because of that. You know, he, 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 he tweets that and you know, at least he puts his money where his mouth is. At least he literally <laughs> said, Hey guys, Hey guys, I don't want to play these tournaments at all. I'm, I'm over it. And then he comes and he's over it against Struff and Struff is the like exact type of player that is going to beat a Nick Kyrgios because Kyrgios yeah. is supposed to win. If he wins, what does he get out of it? Oh, he beat Jan Leonard Stroop. The guy's like 48 in the world or something like that. Like, whatever. But also, Stroop is really good. He serves huge. He He's is. consistent. He hits a big ball. Um, you know, beating him is going to be physically taxing. You know, if you're going to go out and beat Stroop, it's gonna not going to be easy. And so it was a little too hard, and Kyrgios lost that first set in a tiebreak, I believe, and then, and then threw in the towel. Said, F it, I'm out. And, you know, it's just, it's sad. It's fine. Like, the guy, like, he brings a lot of different, unique aspects to the sport that we don't normally see, which is cool. And the trick shots are great. And, you know, the controversy that he stirs up. And me working in social media, he's fantastic. You know, you <laughs> love the guy because he gives you free content all the time. But I can see his tennis fans. For him to literally say, I don't want to play these tournaments, and then come out and lay an egg. It's like, did you lose on purpose? Did you want to win? Like, I, I don't understand, you know, it's just like, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's just, it's tough, but yeah. credit to Struve for going out there and, and kicking his ass. Um, good job. Yep. I hear you there. And then last one before we wrap up and this one, you know, I, I threw in here just to, to kind of grind your gears. Um, Duke, Duke men's tennis unranked doesn't make the NCAAs. <laughs> what do you think, buddy? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's tough. It's it's you know it's a it's they're I don't know I don't want to like <laughs> I'm talk sorry. shit about my alma mater. Dude. Know, what are you setting me up for failure? <laughs> yeah, they're unranked. They should be ranked. What do you want me to say? It's Duke tennis. Uh, you can recruit a lot of good players to Duke. They can um, recruit so, anyone. They they gotta yeah. figure it out. I'm sorry. I, I threw you under the bus there. I just <laughs> it uh, <laughs> we were we were talking about it earlier and. <laughs> So just just a they were they were a loser in in my book and I'm sure in yours too. But we can wrap it up there. Uh, Kale, thank you for waking up again early morning with me uh, to to do this again. It's always appreciated. 
No, absolutely. It was a blast. I thought I enjoyed this one. I kind of like my brain works better in the morning anyway. It does. Me too. I'm a morning guy. Yeah, uh, my brain works better in the morning, so it's probably better for the fans and the viewers that we, we get it get these in the morning. Because last night after that Thrones episode, I was pretty oh, tilted. Oh God. I was pretty f***ing tilted, dude. I was Because it's up. like, I mean, we deserve it because, look, they just beat the freaking White Walkers and saved humanity. So, yeah, obviously some gnarly stuff is about to happen. But, you know, it's just that was sort of a gross episode. That's all I'll say. It was sort the, of a gross mi- episode. The Miss Sunday. Set that that little scene. It was just a gross. Yeah, it was just it was you know that was a pill that we had to swallow Ugh. for beating the Night King. Yeah, well, if you if you haven't seen Thrones at this point, uh, I mean, I don't know what you're doing. Just just go watch. Uh, but you know, a, as always, I want to you know make sure that you guys are checking out all the coverage that we've got. As I've said, Gruskin has been covering some of the NCAA madness, and and that will return on the tenth. Uh, so, so make sure to check out our coverage on the crackedrackets.com, all of our podcasts, What the Deuce, Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, and the mini break. Uh, we we want to make sure we get all the coverage that you guys want and need. Uh, but one last time, I got to give a, a shout out to my co-host, Kale Hammond, who did a fantastic job as always. To our super producers, Maxwell Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who, you know, as always, have a of a job to do. And for the entire team at Cracked Rackets, I am your host, Max Rothman. And Kill, what do you say? That's a break, my friend. That is a break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Peace.